For the remainder of our time this morning, will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the third chapter of the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 14, Galatians 3, 10 through 14. Galatians chapter 3. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for the righteous, the righteous man, A person shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, or in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that is, the non-Jew, so that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Father, for these few minutes we have, we have been through this service, singing, remembering, and now help us to hear, to hear what the Spirit will say to us about this text as we remember our Lord Jesus Christ this morning in his work on the cross for us. Grant to me clarity, humility, and Father, even on my feet, may the Holy Spirit be feeding me with truths that will transform into the image of your Son, in whose name I pray. Amen. The Gospel of Jesus Christ, excuse me, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the means by which God removes all obstacles that would keep him from relating to you and me. Let me repeat that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the means by which God removes all obstacles. And we're going to speak only of one this morning. By his death and by his resurrection... Those obstacles that would keep God from relating to you and to me, those obstacles have been removed through the work of Christ on the cross. I don't know about you. I know about me. I, I, I had a little bit of a surgery done on one of my toes not too long ago. And the doctor said, okay, after he did this surgery... Uh, he, he said, I'm going to get some medication, prescribe some medication, and, and I want you to take it to treat this so that it doesn't return. So I said, thank you. So I was at the drugstore, the drugstore, that's my Canadianism coming out. I was at the pharmacy. And as I was there, I said, um, they, they know me now, it's kind of strange, 
When I go there, they said, oh, Thurton, yes, I said, it is. We have something for you. So I said, you what? Yeah, he says, Dr. Yamaguchi um, prescribed. Oh, I said, yes. So I got the prescription. And when I got home, I opened the, the, the bag with the prescription. And then I looked at the fine prints. And I thought, who in the world is going to read this? I mean, paragraph after paragraph. And, and the one thing I need to know is, is, is that, in fact, one of the things that scared me, it gave some of the, 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 the ramifications of taking this medication. And it says, if you take this, this might happen, this might happen, this might happen. And not only did I not want to read it, I want to know, why should I take it? But you know, in, 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 in that, those fine prints contain everything we need to know about the effectiveness of the prescription that was prescribed. I want to suggest to you that we do something similar to that when we think of Christ on the cross on our behalf. We, we say Christ died for my sins, and sure he did. But we stop right there. We don't want to go to the fine prints. We don't want to know what else does, is, is this all there is about what Christ did? And, and Paul is telling us, Paul is telling us something in our text, that there is more to the cross than simply Christ dying for my sins. As a result of Christ dying for, for my sins, he removes obstacles that would prevent God from coming to you and me. And that's what our text is dealing with very briefly this morning. Let me suggest to you the contrast, the cross and the curse. The cross and the curse. And ask the question, where does this curse come from? Paul is repeating what, what Moses is saying to the, to the people of Israel back in the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy. But he's bringing this to the place where we'll understand something of what is known as a curse. And one might ask the question, where does this curse come from? Who is responsible for this curse? We have some very interesting curses in the Bible. We have Noah cursing his son because of what he did to him. We have some of the prophets laying a curse on people, but this is not what this is talking about. This curse has to do with people who are under condemnation and are trying to find how they can actually please God by keeping the law. Every human being lives with this, this something within us that says, there must be something I can do to help God to see how sincere I am with what I am doing or what he demands of me. And so the Jews were trying to keep the law. But Paul is saying, listen, it is not a matter of simply keeping the ceremonial law. See, there are, there are two sets of law. There is the moral law and the ceremonial law. 
The ceremonial law was for the, the, the nation. The moral law was what God gives to every human being, if you please. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. What he means by that, he has come to expose what is wrong with us. And so, we, 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 we go to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. And we see something of what this word curse literally means. After Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden. And he put flaming personnels at the entrance of the garden to prevent them from coming in. That's the curse. That is, he banned them. He separated himself from them. Adam and Eve did not keep their first estate. But neither have you nor I. We have failed God in the sense that we have not kept the commandments. What what Moses is saying, or what Paul is saying, what Moses is saying, if you try to keep the commandments and you, you fail in one, you are guilty of all. And which of us can say, we are free? Every one of us, I have, you have. We have broken God's law. There are moral laws, if you please. There are ceremonial laws. We heard it from 1 John 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. That's the, that's the ceremonial law, if you please. That we keep ourselves pure. The moral law is, is, is that, that awareness that something is wrong with me. And so we're all born outside of Eden and we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and therefore we are under a curse because everyone that tries to keep the law and breaks one is guilty of all and because we have all broken them, we're all guilty. You are guilty. I am guilty. Every time I think of this, it brings to mind <laughs> when, when I was a kid, uh, I, 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 I hit one of my sisters. And because I could outrun Kathy, I ran to my mom and said, if, if Kathy tells you anything, don't believe her. <laughs> but my mom was the judge. She knew if I come to tell her, give her my defense without knowing what the charges were, I was guilty. <laughs> and so are we. Think of when we go to God. Oftentimes I find my wife, I've, my wife, I find my, my life in, in praying, wanting to remind God of what is happening, why I, telling God why he should. And, and, and when, see, that alone tells me that I am trying to say to God, you don't understand as I understand, therefore. See, all that is what, what it means to be falling short off. That is what it means to be guilty when we think that we can speak to God on terms that reduces God to where I can then say to God what is and what is not. And so, if you're honest, if I'm honest, we come under this curse and we are in a situation whereby we are in jeopardy. Look at the seriousness of the curse. I won't be long with this, even though it's important. The curse as we know it from Genesis 
to be separated from God, to be banned from God's paradise, is death. That's what the, this is what this is all about. When we come to the table, we are talking not about a life that lived, but a life that died. This is what he did. This is why every month we come here and we take that because if he did not die, we would still be living under the curse. We would still be guilty before God. We would still be unable to go to bed at night knowing that if we, we you know, when I was a little boy, we used to say a prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And as one comedian said, I didn't want to pray the second part of that because I don't want to die before I wake. But that prayer will never do, my friends, when we come to understand that if we die under the curse, we die forever. If we die under the curse, Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. We are all under that. If we are not under the curses, it's because something has happened as a result of what Jesus Christ did. Remember now, God banned them from paradise. They could not get back into that place that God called good, that God called very good. They were banned from there. So they were no longer communing with God. They were no longer relating to God. In fact, when sin entered the garden, Adam was going in the opposite direction of God. But here now, here's the seriousness of it. As long as we are outside of the paradise of God's salvation, God cannot communicate to us. God cannot bless us as he desires to. He can't. Because that's what the curse does. You know, it's interesting. Here's a, the person who says, I can't see why God has to do this. I can't see why God has to do that. For one simple reason. God is God. God is God. And if we think we have a right to take care of issues in our lives, I say this very carefully. The woman who says, my body is mine. I can do with it what I want. Well, if you can do with your body what you want, God can do with his world what he wants. See, I can't say to God, you can't do this because I don't allow you to. God has set the standard. And we have all fall sh fallen short of that standard because we're all born outside of Eden. And he has put death between us and himself. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at verse 13 quickly. Verse 13 of our text. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. There's a curse. He cursed the earth. When we do not keep the law, we are under the law's curse. Who can get us from that? Christ redeemed us. To redeem means to pay the accurate, perfect price to bring one back. So because we could not be blessed with the blessings of Eden, Jesus Christ came at the right time and he died 
And in his death, he was not dying because he was a curse. He was dying because we were cursed, and he was dying, taking death upon himself so we could be released from the curse. And when we come to the table, when we come to the table, when we take the bread, we're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ took my sins in his body. When we drink the cup, we're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood so that God has removed the curse The obstacle that would stop him from blessing my life has now been removed. We're no longer banned. I can look into heaven by faith and I can say, he is my father. Jesus is my elder brother. The curse has been removed. But how? By by someone taking what the curse says, whoever does not abide by these are condemned. Death and Jesus died. Uh, You know, we sing this morning, and, and rightly so, about the love of God and wonderful it is. But please remember, friends, please remember that Jesus did not save us by his love. Jesus saved us by his death. Don't, don't ever live beyond that because in the death of Christ, I am speaking of only one obstacle this morning, but in the death of Christ, all obstacles have been removed. All. I, 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 let me just quickly read this for you and I'll cut this short. I was thinking of what is known as the new spirituality. People trying to provide for themselves the salvation which they think God should accept or whatever God. Listen to this. It's as humorous as as it's serious. This is by Elizabeth Lesser, who who is the guru of the book, The New Spirituality. (laughs) This This is how we come to the place of release from the curse if they believed in one in the first place. She said this. Sit quietly right where you are and close your eyes. Fill yourself with breathing. Allow the breath on its journey into and out of your body. Set feelings, set feeling, sit feeling yourself. Breathe for nine or so minutes, a few minutes. Place your hand over your heart. And feel the warmth of your hand connecting with the steady beat of your heart. Then put your hand or your fingertips lightly on the spot in the center of your rib cage, to the right of your physical heart. It is a spot you can feel when you are started and draw your breath sharply inward. Move your hand gently and breathe slowly and softly into that spot until you are focusing intensely on what tradition may call spiritual heart. Would you like to go through that exercise? Imagine that that spot you are touching is the top of the deep, deep well. Follow your breath on a journey into the spacious interior of your own heart. Breathe slowly in and out. Let yourself be pulled 
ever more deeply into the well of your heart as you meet thoughts and emotions on the journey. Do not push them away. They are part of you, but not all of you. Greet what you find on, move on even deeper into the well of your spiritual heart. Welcome, listen to this, welcome whatever you discover. Welcome whatever you discover? My friends, we can say Christ redeemed us. We are not guessing. We're not trying to impress God with any kind of breathing apparatus, yoga, for example. We have a Savior, the person of, of, of the Son of God, who one day in space and time came and died on the cross, and by dying, he removed obstacles from God to me and from me to God. That's what we have. I'm reading the book right now, like I said, Why, Why Jesus? And I have titled this message meditation this morning, Why Christ? Thought I might be original. But I like the idea. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we don't have to go through some mumbo-jumbo like Elizabeth Lesser is talking about. We don't have to try and, and do something that we hope will impress God. We're not looking to discover whatever. Because God did not make us to live with whatever he made us to live with himself. And that's why Jesus died. We could not get back into the garden because we are sinners now. But when Jesus died, God removed the obstacles and we are spiritually enjoying right now and then forevermore what he has promised. Listen, verse 10 says we are under a curse. Verse 13 said he was made a curse for us. And then verse 13 says we are redeemed from the curse. We are, not will be, not might, we are. Not, not for a little bit here and a little bit there, but absolutely. And again, I refer to what was played in the piano. I know whom I have believed and I've committed everything to him against that day. Let me quickly just give this thought. The consequences from the cross, the consequences... Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. And the text says, in order that, purpose clause, in order that, that the blessings of Abraham, that is, what God promised to Abraham and through Abraham to the rest of the world, would come to you and to me this morning. What is the blessings of Abraham? One, justification. Justification. That is the declaration from God that he has accepted what his son has done on my behalf so that now he took my sins on the cross and he gave me his righteousness by which to live before God. Justification. Much more, but time is won't. Secondly, not only justification, but the text tells us that through Christ, the blessings of Abraham might come, that we might be justified, and that we might receive the promised spirit. The promised spirit. See, we're not making belief. There's God the Father who sent his Son, the Son who came and died on the cross, the Holy Spirit who came in Pentecost and now lives in us so that we can verify by conviction, by communion, the fact that God is now relating to me as he never has before, because he's not relating to me, having removed the obstacle. 
That's what this table speaks about, friends. That God has removed whatever at one point would keep God from coming to us. He couldn't come to us then because we were dead in trespasses and sin, but he sent his son, he died, and Jesus opened the way for God to come to me and for me to go to God. And so the Apostle Paul, writing in the book of Romans, says, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit comes and he makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We prayed for two of our friends this morning here. My friends, if our prayers, if we feel inadequate, if we feel inadequate in praying for people with, with the kind of situations we hear, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit takes our inadequate prayers and makes them perfect to the Father so that the will of the Father is done on earth as it is in heaven. Why Christ? Because he has removed the obstacles so that I can go to God. I, I love, I close with this, I love the prayer of the little child who was praying. As she was praying, she folded her hands together and she said, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And her parents heard her repeating the alphabet and said, what are you doing? And she said, I am praying. I said, but you're repeating the alphabet. Yes, I know. You see, God, I believe, is able to take all the letters and make words of them and answer my prayer. That's, that's, that's the access we have to God that a little child will tell us that when we don't know how to make the, word, the letters into words, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes them and he prays them to God on your behalf and mine. Why Christ? Because in Christ I'm justified. Why Christ? Because he has removed the obstacles. Rejoice today that the table reminds us of the removal of obstacle number one, the curse that we are all under until we came to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, take your word and drive it home to our hearts. If I have been incomplete in my message this morning, may the Holy Spirit finish it as only he can so that the people of God will live lives that are free from obstacles that have been put there by sin because they're trusting in Jesus Christ who removes them all. And for this, we give you our grateful thanks in his name. Amen.